Welcome to the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast, a 12-part series covering an epic new bikepacking race through the remote mountains of Kyrgyzstan. I'm Lucy Cahoon, and in the course of the series, you'll be hearing all about the race and the riders, as well as learning a bit about this spectacular part of Central Asia. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode four of the Silk Road Mountain Race podcast. This is our first episode from In the Field, and already so much has happened, it's hard to cram into one short episode. Um, First off, I'm quite glad just to be able to do this podcast at all, because I was locked in my hotel room for about half an hour when the door handle fell off, and then in the middle of the night I was locked out of my room, so um, I'm just grateful to be able to present it. Uh, it's been an action-packed day already for me. In other ways, I have stroked an eagle and walked up to about 2,900 metres, so that's been good. Um, anyway, back to the race itself. The atmosphere at the start of the race was just incredible in so many ways. Uh, the collection of people and the, the mentality of the people that a kind of race like this attracts is so... It just brings a smile to your face, Um it's very hipster, a lot of tattoos and beards, very high ratio. Um, but the, the stories that people bring and their incredible selflessness and resilience and sense of humour really, really stand out. So it was an absolute pleasure to interview and just to chat to so many of the riders. Obviously, there's that nervous buzz of excitement and which then quietens down when people get closer to the race start time. But to hear the variety of experience and the countries that people have come from and even what they've done to bring themselves to the start line is amazing. It certainly makes any normal person feel very belittled by comparison. For example, one person who explained they'd had a long journey to get to the race, by which I took to mean a day, a couple of days travelling. It turned out they've been on their bike for three months just to get to the start. Another person uh, where I asked where they lived, they looked around and shrugged and said, I guess Kyrgyzstan, Uh, they are pretty nomadic and from here we'll just cycle wherever their bike and their legs take them. Um, So it's been really fascinating to see the sorts of people, old and young, experienced and less so, who have taken on such a massive challenge. Uh, The weather itself ironically perhaps and maybe welcomed by some was a little bit damp as the race got underway so it has been incredibly hot here in Bishkek with temperatures of about 33-34 degrees regularly and as soon as the race set off uh, some clouds gathered and then there was a downpour not not significant but enough to refresh those who welcome it or perhaps alarm those who had expected wall-to-wall sunshine. Apparently through the night there has been a snowstorm, so that will have put an extra degree of challenge for people approaching the very high pass on day one. And I know that some people chose to sleep low, uh, partly for altitude and also partly to ride out the storm. In terms of race progress, um, the best way to find out what's happening is to look at the race trackers and follow the dots on the website. Um, It's very addictive and you can zoom in and get the the terrain itself that the riders are experiencing. All sorts of different tactics, some people riding throughout the night, others choosing to call it a day and get a decent night's sleep. 
but already there are there seems to be a good, big gap between the first four or five riders and before the the next pack so the distance covered has been incredible um we're told that we're expecting the first few riders into checkpoint to um later this afternoon so they're making incredible headway given the the conditions which uh, they're experiencing just the roughness of the routes as well as the the weather and the altitude the other thing which really strikes me from talking to people is it's very hard to assess who are the great riders so I now know from watching the dots who are the leaders but you would never have got a sense of that from looking around the the briefing session or there are no egos nobody was had a swagger in their step or or was keen to impress other people and I think that's that's just so lovely that you could not tell in there who was in it to win it and who who was just out to challenge themselves. So I think that says a lot about the humility of people taking part as well. Uh, one of the key themes that came up in my discussions with riders before the race was, and it's a subject close to my own heart, was food. Um, obviously, one of the main challenges, given the remoteness of the route, is how to how to know what to carry, how much to carry. Um, and whether to take risks or calculated risks that resupply will be available or whether to play it extremely safe and cover the whole 14 days food in your bags. So I've been talking to a lot of people about their strategies for that and we'll hear from them in a minute. So I'm talking to a rider now who's found the food weapon of choice, uh, uh, local... Bread. Tell us about the bread. <laughs> um, it's good and it's round and it's flat in the middle. It's super cheap and you can and find it's got it anywhere. Sausage in the middle? Uh, no. Oh, no. Not this. Not this variation. But there are many variations that do have sausage. Some have potato. Um, other has like. <laughs> actually, I picked up one the other day and had a whole chicken breast inside it, <laughs> like bones and everything. I was like, oh. <laughs> and you've got a tea strainer there. No, this is coffee. Oh, are you taking co- real coffee? With yeah, you? I take coffee here. Uh huh. Um, and then I got this little strainer, which I got in Amsterdam for like a dollar. And then it also works as a water filter, so you go under the streams you put in front of the bottle and just like filters it all out. So you're going gourmet? Absolutely. Liking it. <laughs> How are you feeling? All set? Uh, yeah. Feeling relaxed. You look very zen. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, well yeah. uh, the Russian for good luck apparently is urachi. 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 There you are. Good luck. Oh, well, thank you, my dear. Have a good one. <laughs> Cheerio. Thank you. I'm now joined by Ben. Ben, where are you from? I'm from San Francisco, California, in the United States. Okay, and when did you arrive? Good question. It was four in the morning yesterday morning. Right, okay. So you're still catching up with your yeah, time zones? Yeah, it's a 13-hour time change, so I'm a little oh my dazed goodness. still. Wow. And your bike looks good. You all, you look quite kind of clean. and. Yeah, I look yeah. way too clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is this a new kind of thing for you, or are you an old hand? Um, This is my second bikepacking race. I did the Colorado trail race last summer. Right. And sort of got bit by the bug and here did I am. You? Yeah. Brilliant. So any fears or what are you most excited about? Um, I'm just excited because I've never been in Kyrgyzstan before and it's just a totally new experience. Um, fears? I don't know. The food? Right. Okay. Finding, finding good stuff to eat. Yeah, I think that's most Staying fueled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have a strategy, or are you just going to see how your legs work? I'm just work? carrying a lot of food. Okay. Carrying way more food than I normally would. That's good. Food's good, right? Yeah, I like food. <laughs> You're just a moving picnic. Yeah. 
Exactly. Listen, have a great race. Thanks very much. Thank Good you. luck. Thanks. Thank you. That's Hello, Shona. Hello. <laughs> Tell us a bit about where you're from and what your expectations are of the race. Uh, we are Richard and Shona, and we're from Manchester. Um, what are our expectations? Big hills, good scenery. Good chat. Good chat. Slow up hills, good downhills. <laughs> uh, what are our expectations? To uh, try and enjoy it and not get too stressed out by the hills. <laughs> hike a bike? Oh yeah, a bit. Yeah, a bit. We, we like hike a bike. Oh, do you? Yeah, we don't mind. Yeah, we've done the Highland Trail on a tandem, so we, can, we can do a hike a bike. Yeah, we, we carried it for 30 miles one day. That's insane. And I guess you can't go your separate ways if you're in a tandem. <laughs> you're kind of stuck. A hence the high pain threshold. <laughs> Were you still speaking at the end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, what buttons not to push when you're on the back of a tandem with someone. Okay. Yeah. So do you have a strategy for the race or just... No. Start easy. Yeah. yeah. And do you plan how many miles to do or just see how your legs feel? Aiming for 100. Right. And what about kit? Are you going heavy or light? I think it's pretty light. I mean, we're taking a small tent, yeah. some lightish sleeping bags, more clothing than we would normally, but it's colder. Yeah, yeah, up, yeah, up yeah, yeah. Top, if you get stuck up top, you need more clothes. Mostly food. Yeah, extra food. Yeah, because yeah, we don't know for the first couple of days how quick we'll get on, so I suppose we're carrying food so we have stuff to eat. And do you allow yourself a luxury? Is it like desert island discs? You get one little thing. Uh, what's a luxury item? A tube of Volterol. <laughs> Instead of muscle rub. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I, think, I think we've got it down to, to taking exactly what we need and, and we, we use what we take and don't. there's nothing we don't use. So, so you're old hats at this, I, I take it. We've done a bit, yeah. yeah. We give out some hopefully sound advice at the shop. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, best of luck. Thank you very we'll much. See you we'll see you, yes. <laughs> Morning, Pete. Morning. How are you Ooh! <laughs> Microphone malfunction. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, nice sunny day in Bishkek. And apparently we're doing a, some sort of bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everyone's here, I heard. What's your plan for today? Uh, my plan for today is to register. Have you not done that yet? No, I'm just. I'm, that's why I'm standing in the queue. This You're being a, fashionably late. You've, you've, you've interrupted my <laughs> registration process. Uh, no, that's it. To register, possibly to stock up on some more interesting food choices from the bazaars of Bishkek. Ooh. And uh, and yeah, just rest up. I think. Not yeah, not doing anything very much. And ratio of nerves to excitement. Ooh, about 50-50 at the moment. About 50-50. I'm trying to keep the nerves down. Trying to keep nice and philosophical about it. Good. Just going to ride and have a good time, I think. And what are you most looking forward to? Oh, just being alone out in the big, massive mountains, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. It's a big unknown. But, yeah, just to kind of be be up there really like be out in the space and being somewhere a bit cooler than Bishkek as well yeah 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 I think it's going to be is it snowy up there I hope so yeah <laughs> but just how I'm feeling right now it's pretty warm so no, and it would justify some of my kit choices <laughs> Fab and anything that you're most uh, that you've packed like a little luxury secret thing to look forward to luxury secret thing to look forward to um, a pillow have you? Yeah, a little inflatable pillow. That's not a my... full feather. No, not a no. full feather. No, okay. I couldn't quite justify that one. But um, 
Yeah, and I guess not a luxury secret, but a tent. A tent is pretty unusual for me on these things. Oh, is it? And, right, and yeah. I just thought, you know, being being up where we are, having a tent to crawl into at the end of the day would be pretty good. And yeah, just wanting to be as self-sufficient as possible, really. Just not being dictated too much about where we can get things and what we can do. Just going out and riding. Fab. Being simple. Brilliant. Best of luck. Cheers. Udachi. Thank you. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> that's... Another theme which was prevalent in my discussions related to that, again, is how to weigh up, well, literally, um, how much to take. Um, not taking any risks, not putting yourself in danger, certainly in terms of you know, waterproof and warm kit, but knowing what you can get away with so as not to weigh yourself down. So again, some very interesting approaches from people I spoke to. And also, some people have allowed themselves little luxuries um, to reward themselves at the end of the day. So I hear from a few of those people now. Tell me your name and where you're from. Uh, Jan Kopka, and I am from Czech Republic. Okay, so when did you arrive? Uh, on Monday. Uh-huh. On Monday, I think. And have you been riding since then? Yeah, uh, three days we were riding to the first Kegeti Pass, or now I don't remember name, to up and back for acclimatization and we can sleep there. And, and is it what you imagine? Uh, I think the uphills will be harder, right. will be very hard, yeah. but, but I uh, expected okay. that it's... That it's so so hard yeah, and, yeah. and so rough. Good. Okay. And you look ready to go. You're dressed in your cycling gear already. Uh, one more. You're, you're dressed already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? I'm ready. I have only one dress for whole life. <laughs> <laughs> it's also it's also my formal dress. <laughs> and so, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? Just relax and eat. Uh, to prepare all my stuff. Uh-huh. To to buy food. To okay. to to put all on my bike and to, to, to prepare for race. Perfect, perfect. Listen, have a fantastic race. Good luck. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Tell me your name and where you're from. I'm Carl Booth and I'm from Manchester, England. Well done. So when did you arrive? I arrived on Tuesday morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're feeling settled, ready to go? Uh, not too bad. We had a little bit of an adventure uh, for the last couple of days, which has maybe put us put us uh, through our paces a little bit more than we expected. But yeah, feeling quite good. What happened on your adventure? Uh, well, we went up towards the Alarache, and uh, it turns out it's uh, definitely a hiking trail, not not so much a riding one. So we were carrying bikes over real, uh, boulder fields and uh, through uh, screes and then over little bridges that were strapped together with uh, little bits of twine and stuff <laughs> so it was quite fun so we've had a couple of decent days out there it feels like it's been a, an adventure already oh so my goodness met a few nice dogs barking at us oh, and crikey. yeah yeah so um, not not exactly the gentle introduction you had in mind uh, no no it's, it's been good though <laughs> hasn't put you off no no not at all it's kept us well aware of what we're letting ourselves into i think cool so any so, last minute things you need to do today or just relax uh we've got a few little bits to go and pick up and stuff but nothing major so just fettling the bikes really after the couple of days of bashing them through the boulders so you know but yeah no i think we're all all good all set brilliant so struggling with the heat a little bit but yeah it's super uh, hot isn't it yeah when you get up high it gets a, quite a bit cooler though right. so and it does get really cold at night actually um, We've noticed that, so we're going to chuck in a couple more layers of clothing just to just to keep us. Or just wrap safe. yourself in dogs. Oh yeah, no. 
<laughs> yeah, I've got my rabies injections, but apparently they only cover me for a few extra hours. So oh, I need, my goodness. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting, that part of it. <laughs> hopefully we keep up in the mountains more. We, we didn't see many many dogs up there. So. Brilliant. But, oh, well, listen, best of luck. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Cheers, Take care, thank you. bye. Craig, hello. Hi. Are you all set? Yeah, I think so. Pretty much got everything I need, um, including gas, so uh, we'll be good. What's your cat number? Uh, 32. Is that a lucky number? It's not a bad number yet. It's um, two to the power of five. So it's an <laughs> interesting number. So when did you arrive? Uh, on uh, Tuesday. Okay. Have you had a chance to catch uh, your no, I've and... Well, yeah, I've just tried to get acclimatised to the temperature, really, and uh, also the time lag. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's basically it. I haven't done any... Well, I've ridden my bike around, destroyed it, broke it once, fixed it... Already? Once, Since yeah. Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I've fi broken it and fixed it. Um, very good service, actually, in the uh, local bike shop. Right. Um, yeah, it was really good. Wow. Just, so that was excellent. Um, so, yeah, that's hopefully that is the only failure I have. Good. But and any last-minute plans for today or just put your feet up uh well yeah no just put my feet up try and sort out stuff unfortunately all the shops are shut i think on today because oh, friday oh, holiday no. so things like banks are probably shut so i had actually want to get some money so right. i'll be hitting the atms to right, see what okay. uh see how much money i can get out um and eating a lot eating drinking making sure i'm hydrated yeah, all good yeah, stuff Trying not to worry about uh, the weather. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just generally, um, yeah, trying not. To, it's, it's it's a bit more relaxed than the TCR. At least Is we, it? Yeah. Well, the TCR, you you were going to ride at ten o'clock at night, yeah. so you spent the whole day doing admin. Yeah. And then you sort of try to sleep, and then you try to eat, right. and then you had to get on your bike and ride for twenty four hours. So um, so it's uh, in that sense, it's nice to have the. Uh, a nice good sleep. Yeah, very civilized start yeah, time. Yeah, and um, so the only trouble is everyone's going to get kind of, we're all going to be very high at the end of the day in the dark, so um, I think that might be a problem, but it depends on the weather. If it's, if it's snowing up there, it could be interesting. 3,800 meters, I think, is the coal. Have you got a tent? I've got a bivy and a um, tarp. Right, okay. Because the bivy leaks and the tarp, um, <laughs> tarp is there to keep it dry and uh, a leaking bivy that's that's great prep, yeah right? well the, it doesn't really leak, but if it rained non-stop okay it would um it would uh, but it, yeah it was a compromise it was either that or a full-blown tent which was a bit too heavy so i kind of went for the and the chances are i'll be in the bivy most of the time it's just the odd occasion I put the tarp up so yeah I'm, i think i'm sorted Fab, so. you look quite relaxed yeah. this is good or is so it just good, is yeah. it swan legs yeah <laughs> well yeah, or just, yeah, yeah, I just, I'll see how it goes. Brilliant. You know, I'm not, I'm not, not going to be very fast. I want right. to get to the end. And I think it will be challenging to get to the end, even though the distances look kind of reasonable, you know. I think stuff can happen. A lot more stuff can happen yeah, yeah. compared to other races like the TCR. You know, you can, you've got somewhere to stop on the TCR, go into a nice hotel, recover while here middle of nowhere you're having a bad day it's not many places Suck to stop up. yeah you're just gonna have to keep on riding uh so that's that's i suppose my main concern if something bad happens yeah where do you what do you do but um yeah. and how when do you give up um, you don't don't no easy you, for me to you say you drag your body down <laughs> and the bike can just stay there <laughs> 
but we'll see. I kind of, um, no, nah, it's a good adventure. I, li I like the idea. I like riding off-road more than on-road, so I think it'll be fun. Brilliant. Excellent. Have a fantastic race. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much. Cheers. Bye. Thank you, thank you. That's Brad, how are you doing? Who? I'm Brandon. Brandon, why did I say Brad? That's not a good start, <laughs> is a, it? It's a great start. There's so many Brandons and Brads. <laughs> Okay. So uh, there's one of you. There's one of me now. Yeah. yeah. Started as two, down to one. <laughs> just may the best survive. Is that how it went? I think so. Absolutely. I think I'm the best in this case. Just getting to the start line, I won. <laughs> At least I beat Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I take it you're not speaking anymore. Uh, well, we have to because <laughs> we live together and we work together. And but you get the bragging rights, right? <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I really hope that he hears this. <laughs> so, any strategy? Uh, to just see how I feel. I think there's been a lot of weird little body things creep up and unexpected with not racing with someone else. And so, it's like any planning I had done, I think, is now kind of out the window. But, which is okay, because I think once you start, regardless, any planning is already, like, pretty hard to follow. So yeah. it looks like snow or, you know, some cold coming in. So I think my plan is just to be, like, in the moment and figure out what I need each day. Yeah. Cool. And so what are your last-minute plans today? Just rest, or have you got things to do? Uh, I'm going to, well, I forgot my rain pants, so I'm going to go try and find some. But if I don't find any, it's really not the end of the world. Um, everything else I'm prepared with. And then just do a quick ride. Um, try to find some super strength ibuprofen because my hip hurts. <laughs> and uh, so outside of that, it's just mellowing out. I might take a bath, which I haven't taken many baths in my life, but I feel like this is the appropriate time <laughs> to do it. Yeah, just trying to relax. Cool. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, best of luck. Have a good one. And, uh, yeah, what should we say to Andy? Loser. <laughs> no, he's just missing out. Missing out missing is a better out. way to say yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. We're now moving over to a cultural spot as a little bit of a diversion from the sharp end of the Silk Road mountain race itself. I think coming to a country as interesting as Kyrgyzstan, which not many people have the opportunity to come to, gives us a great chance to talk to people here about their culture, um, get a sense of the personality of the people, um, what drives them, what their food and recreational work habits, religion, philosophy, all that sort of thing. So there's a whole wealth of, of material there that I was curious to get in amongst. Um, so... Today we're going to hear, and throughout the next few episodes, from Rahat Yusavalieva, who is a local guide and also an environmentalist. And she is going to tell us about probably the most recognisable symbol of Kyrgyzstan, the yurt. So tell us a little bit about the yurt. Um, it's something that obviously you see in all the guidebooks. And when if you Google Kyrgyzstan, it's the beautiful pictures of yurts in the middle of 
the meadows or, or huge open places. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, how they're put up and the construction and how easy it is to make. And I've read a little bit about the rituals as well of who sits where and so can, yeah. Tell us about the yurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, basically the yurt is the dwelling, the only dwelling of Kyrgyz people uh, before the October Revolution in Russia, 1917. Before that, every Kyrgyz people, they used, they, they lived in yurts. And after that, we started kind of settling a little bit. And now we are kind of settled, but we are semi-nomadic. So in the summertime, people still go to pastures, to mountains, set up their yurts and spend the whole summer in the in the mountains. We also use yurts uh, for festivals and for funerals. Well, yurts is quite easy to uh, to set up, but it takes time to to, to make it. So um, there are a number of masters who make it, who make different parts of a yurt. So they need to cut the trees in advance, uh, mainly in some uh, springtime before uh, there is like a lot of springs and water coming, and they need to dry it in the shadow and they dry it for a few weeks or even months and then uh, they start making different parts of a yurt um the the dome is called tunduk tunduk is very difficult to make so there is a separate master for making tunduk and uh, they need uh, to prepare the wood first kind of uh, bury it bury the wood in the animal's dung for some time and after they boil it to make it softer, more flexible, and then they make uh, two round, uh, kind of half half round shaped frame. And after they have two half round shapes, they connect it together. So this master really needs to be very skilled to make it in that shape so that it's durable. Uh, they need to pick the right kind of the suitable wood for that to make it uh, in certain ways so that it's uh, flexible and durable and uh, last for decades. So is it the case then that each family would have their own yurt and that's always, so you always take the same parts with you every summer? Yes, exactly. Every family needs to have their own house, yes. And uh, it lasts for decades if it's made properly. And what about the material then used to cover it? Is that traditionally from animal skins or uh, wool or what? Mm-hmm. So the framework, how do you call it? The, the frame, the carcass is made of wood. So the roof and walls are made of wood, but then uh, they cover it with um, reed and also with uh, felt. So felt is made of animals, lambs, wool. Uh, so up to 20 or 30 Sheep need needs to be <laughs> cut so to to take the wool from that to make this felt cover for the yurt. And other than that, uh, they use leather to connect the wooden frames together. So mainly it's wood and then felt and leather. And what about the design and the different colors? Because they're very vivid, aren't they? So if you're a family who asks for a new yurt, is there a traditional color that your family will always use? Or can you design your own? Uh, normally, they paint the wooden frame in red, red color. Uh, that symbolizes strength normally in our culture. And we use red a lot in our decorations. Uh, the felt is normally gray or white, depending on the color of cheek. 
Uh-huh. And in Kyrgyz, we don't say yurt, we say bozui. Uh, that means bozui. It means gray house because of the color of the felt, gray felt. Uh, it also depends on the wealth of the family. Because um, in the past, rich families used to have bigger yurts and also white, snow white um, yurts because they could. They could effort right. to make it white and beautiful, and they would have more decorations. But uh, ordinary people, they have gray house, uh, gray house. My final interview is a chat with two different stories. Really, it's the it's a heartbreaking story and a heartwarming story. I guess with everything like this, the the perfect race start is when things go smoothly, your travel has worked, your connections have been made, your bike has arrived, and you're feeling well. Unfortunately, there are always a few people who are not lucky enough to make it to the start line for various reasons. And although it's difficult to ask people in these situations, it it is part of the story. And I think it's a representative um, emotional picture of the whole panoply of what's going on for people. So I requested um, a, a quick chat with Bjorn Lenhart, who is managing his own disappointment and concern for his racing partner and life partner who has been ill, unfortunately, and not able to start the race. So now I hear from Bjorn about how he has managed that decision not to ride and what his possible options are. I'm joined now by, by Bjorn Lenhart who has an unfortunate story. So I guess with all the excitement of people starting this morning and all the high fives and uh, shout outs, there's always somebody who hasn't had a best start to the race. So I'm sorry to be interviewing you in this uh, state, but tell us a little bit about what's happened. Well, we arrived on Wednesday and morning. Everything seems to be fine. Bikes arrived, the gear arrived, so built up everything. Went shopping yesterday, registered, but my girlfriend yesterday uh, Feel already a little bit ill, and this morning, I mean, it's she, she got a bit fever as well and everything, and she really picked up a good cold. There is no way to to start cycling now. So, so when did you make the final decision? Well, this morning about seven thirty, eight a.m. So that must be very difficult riding as a pair and your husband and wife or partner. Yeah. So how how have you decided to go from here? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Well, I still don't have a real plan now. I mean, I, we were thinking about, well, do I start just on my own? Do I going to stay here? Well, I don't like both ideas. Or do I start on my own and she comes around with a taxi a few days later or whatever? It's, in either way, it's a hard decision to make for for both of us. Yeah. And for now, I decided to stay here, mm-hmm. at least until tomorrow. And then we need to see if it's getting better or... Mm-hmm. So if she does feel better in a day or a few days, what are the possibilities? Well, I mean, from the plan I made, we have still two days left over. Uh-huh. So we could still start in, in two days or even we can still start and make some shortcuts and try to do it, at, at least to see a few nice points. And so uh, and you said there's a possibility that you can ride on your own. And I guess because you're a competitive rider, aren't you? So <laughs> what's, the, what's going on in your head? Well, I mean, it was never thought that we we gonna race for the first place. We, really. I mean, we decided well, we make it out a, a nice time, 
and maybe on the end we see where we are, how it works, maybe then we can push it a little bit. So mm -hmm. I'm not that scared that I cannot win the, the race even as, as a pair. So okay. this is this is really not a problem. Did you discuss in advance the possibility of things like this going on? No, I was thinking about that. We we should have done this maybe, but well. Yeah, then you don't want to bring bad luck by exactly. So, and you're normally a competitive rider anyway, aren't you? You ride a lot on your own. Tell us a little bit about what you've just done. And... Well, this year is going to be a little bit of a tough year. I did in June, I, I won the, the race, the Transatlantic Trans Race in Ireland. And last week I just finished the Transcontinental Race in third position. That's incredible. So tell us the distances of both those races. Well, the Transatlantic Way was 2,300 kilometers and... Transcontinental race was 4,000 kilometers. And what was the rest in between the two? Well, I finished last week on Wednesday. So this is... You finished last Wednesday? Yeah. And you're here already? Exactly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, and this what is about 10 days. Oh, my goodness. And what about after Ireland? How long did you have to recover? This was about two months. Right, okay. Yeah. Wow. And so when you were planning this one, did you think this was easier compared with the other two or harder? What were your thoughts? Well, it's totally different kind of race. I mean, Transatlantic Way and Transcontinental are mainly on, on, on roads, mm -hmm. just with a road bike. This is on the mountain bike and there's a lot of altitude. Really scares me still a little bit, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how this works out, you know, to, not to get sick and the altitude yeah. and whatever. And also to being remote, not having maybe enough food or so with you. And have you ridden with your partner before? Yeah, we, yeah. we did last year about a thousand kilometer for a race together. Right, okay. okay. In, the, in the French and Italian Alps. So oh, lovely. This okay. was really quite nice. Yeah, yeah. So, your possibilities now, you've got a potential two weeks. So, do you have any sense now about what each of you feels is the right thing to do? Not yet, really. Mm -hmm. I, I need to talk to her when she is. My feeling a little bit better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See what we do. Mm -hmm. This is, I mean, it's. A really unfortunate situation, but morally, and there's there's a lot of stuff in there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, difficult dilemma to to get right. Well, there's maybe no wrong, no right. I yeah. Mean, either, either decision you made. I mean, to say okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this decision. And yeah. And do you think is it too early to say? But will you consider coming back next year to race? Well, maybe not next year, but the year after. I would. I would really like to come back so to it's you. unfinished business. I mean, if, if it's unfinished business, I will for sure come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell Nelson to get you a spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you're being very philosophical about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you said that you can still go and explore maybe for a day or a couple of days. if you Yeah, I mean, if, if my girlfriend is feeling bad tomorrow, then I just go for a, a day while yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said you, you have a lot of food ready to eat, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get hungry at the moment. Noodles for two weeks? No, we don't have, don't have a cooker with me, so no noodles. Oh. Just, what, just, where are you going to eat? Just just bread and bread. Some, some sweet stuff on it and some cheese. That might get boring for two weeks. <laughs> well, if you have to eat uh, seven-day croissants over, over days at the Transcontinental West, this also gets boring. So. Right. <laughs> I'm used to that. Oh. Perfect. Well, listen, um, thank you so much. For, I know it's a difficult day to chat, so thank you, and I hope your girlfriend gets better very soon. Yeah, thank, thank you, you and good luck. <laughs> and finally, 
a very heartwarming and unexpected interview to be doing with two female riders, Naomi Friedrich and Ricky Cotter. They were not on the list as a pair. They had expected to ride solo. And in fact, Ricky turned up on the start line ready to go with her helmet on and feet clipped in already. It was only about 15 minutes before the start that she decided not to take part on race day. And they will explain the decision behind that and what happened. It's just will bring a smile to your face about the humanity involved in a race such as this. It is half past five on Saturday, and this is an interview that I didn't expect I'd be doing um, with a pair who aren't even supposed to be a pair. So <laughs> I'm speaking to Ricky and Naomi. So uh, Naomi, first, tell us the edited highlights of your <laughs> unusual start to the road race. Uh, well, I arrived in Bishkek on Thursday afternoon, um, and my bike didn't. That's the short version. Um, I've been to the airport once um, to collect it. I've been told that it was there, and it's not. Um, but I'm reliably informed that it will be there first thing tomorrow morning. So you should have had it with you when you arrived Thursday, and it's now Saturday afternoon. The race started what, Some hours ago. eight hours ago. Yeah. Um, Do so you know where your bike is? When they spoke to me last night, it was in London. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They said they were putting it on Turkish Airlines flight last night that it was going to be in first thing tomorrow morning. And on a scale of one to ten, how confident are you? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's that's in the, you know, point, zero point something range. Right, so you're you're still smiling, and um, Ricky, why are you here, given that you were on the start line, mm-hmm. dressed with your kit on mm-hmm. the bike, and you were riding solo, weren't you? I was, yeah. So tell me why you're here, what's happened? Well, I think I, so I got to the start line, and that is exactly the first I heard about Naomi's scenario, and I, all my immediate thought, without even processing what had happened, would be, oh, that is really, really rubbish, but I actually thought, swear words that is really really (laughs) shit and I can't imagine how it must feel to watch all your peers and contemporaries you know all buzzing about ready for the race and I just thought oh do you know what it really doesn't matter like I don't why am I here and I'm doing it because I I love people and I love bike riding and I just don't I don't need anything more from it and I thought do you know what so that was your gut instinct just yeah I didn't think about it that much I just had a thought of how shit must it be if you're on your own, you're in a country, your bike's not turned up, you know, you're about to start something that is ultimately terrifying, you know, out of your comfort zone and everybody's gone, you know, so I just, I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that and I thought, oh, she seems all right. (laughs) (laughs) How well do you know each other? We don't. (laughs) Yet. Yeah, Yeah, we've got plenty of time for that. (laughs) We we met once at a race. And we were both racing, so we were both sort of out on the course to really see each other very much during the course of the event. This is like extreme speed dating, <laughs> isn't it? It's like, you know, we're both taking a chance, and I've taken a chance on the fact that she might want to spend some time with me. So it's on both parts, that's a big chance. So how long before 9am did you approach Naomi to say to make your offer? Oh, we were stood next to each other when I found out. It's got to be like quarter. Quarter nine. Quarter, quarter to nine. nine. Yeah. And it was, like Ricky said, it was instant. Mm. I pitched up, went over to speak to them to say good luck. And, and just like that, Ricky was like, oh, do you know what? It doesn't really mean that no much to me. I'll just, I'll just wait and I'll set off with you tomorrow. 
but oh. it's not it's not like it's not like a massive heroic statement i i literally did it because i just walked in your shoes in that moment and i just thought how awful it must be mm-hmm. and i can race anytime anywhere and i've been lucky enough to race around the world already and do really cool stuff and the value of humanity is way more than than victory you know and it's nice to share this with someone it's going to be amazing it's going to be amazing and what was your response oh my god well i started crying pretty much instantly <laughs> and i'm not one for tears yeah so, yeah that's some gesture though isn't it i really just burn away wow oh, no, you haven't spent a week with me yet it might be horrific like might be really horrific and you might have thought you know what isn't if there are more potato jokes that i'm in love Oh, look, I accidentally made a potato joke to an Irishman at the Rider Briefing, and I genuinely meant there was potatoes out there, not that he was Irish. You've made friends already. Oh, gosh. A few cultural gaffes. I should know better being Welsh. And was the organiser fine? What did Nelson say? Uh, I had a message from him um, just saying that that was fine, we could start late, and they would just deduct the delay time from Really? Right. Wow. And um, yeah, I genuinely believe that we could make that first checkpoint within the cutoff time if the bike arrives tomorrow morning. But I, I also think we should be really clear on there is no pressure, you know, because yeah. for, a, for a partnership to work well, there yeah. has to be understanding and, and yeah. compromise. And I think, you know, if we're feeling good and we think, yes, let's go, I think we should go for it because it's within us physically. Mm-hmm. But if if it's not happening, then there's no pressure from from me to gotta get you know gotta do gotta do because these things don't go to plan. Isn't this fantastic though? That or I mean, obviously not fantastic way to start or or the bike being in transit, but that already something a story of that magnitude has happened and the the relationships and the state to me and that is the sport thing we were talking earlier about the Brownlee brothers and things but it's things that it's not about winning it's so I know that's a cliche but it really isn't is it and you cannot in in a landscape like this with the terrain like this you can't predict the outcome so there's so many unknowns that we'll face and I think it'll be a massive adventure whether we can get ourselves back in the race or not So, so it's going to be really good, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Actually, <laughs> so you're not going eyeballs out then for the first 24 hours. To you're just going to ride as you can, and and if you don't make the cutoff, you're still going to carry on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the the general. I mean, we it it's happened so soon. We haven't even formulated a solid plan. So, uh, but yes, what little we've spoken, we sort of looked at the map and seen various points where if we haven't made enough time, we can cut the route short. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think just being pragmatic about it and not, you know, taking things to heart if they don't mm-hmm. go. Because whatever happens, you're about to have one hell of an adventure, aren't you? Right. Yeah, and it is what it is. And the people who have already set off will have the same sort of thing. Yes. You know, there'll be people right now with flat tyres already going through the hard stuff. Yeah. And the weather is bad today up top. Mm. So, you know... A lot of people will be having their own personal adventure, and that's ultimately what this is about. You know, yes, we are racing against each other, but it's so personal and it's so big that just putting yourself out there is is succeeding. I think. And the whole when Nelson gave the briefing about um, 
having relaxed the rules about assistance. Mm. I think that's the ethos of this event, isn't it? It's not an every man for himself event. So yeah. you've just you are the kind of poster girls for the <laughs> philosophy of the event. It's humanity, though. You know, yeah. we lose because we're so busy in our our normal everyday lives, making money, trying to be successful. We tend to lose humanity, yeah. and I think in when we're so exposed in this terrain, that's when you should be most empathetic towards your 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 humankind because that's when you need each other the most. Yeah. So I think Nelson's done a really good job on 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 a balance between fair competition and compassion. Excellent. And we've also got the benefit of having drunk very nice tea in a posh hotel all day. Don't tell them that. Okay, right. It's been really right. We're cutting that bit. It's been really difficult. There's been soul searching. It's been emotionally traumatic. And we haven't had a nice time drinking tea in a posh hotel. <laughs> None of that happened. Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, whatever happens, best of luck. Thanks. And isn't this just the best thing to happen, though? I know. Yeah. I was just so, saying okay. um, to uh, a mutual friend, Zara, I was speaking to Zara. Um, and she said, oh, you, you couldn't have anyone better to ride with. That's brilliant. You're going to have the best time. The bands are going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, actually, I'm almost glad that my bike got <laughs> yeah. missing. The stars have aligned yeah. Yeah, in a strange way. Yeah. It's cool. Udachi, good luck. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Silk Road Mountain Race. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you also to our guests for taking part and a huge thanks to Bjorn Westra, our editor, for doing so much work to pull it all together. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show and give us a rating or leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about the race, have a look at the website, silkroadmountainrace.cc and also see the show notes. You can follow the race on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks very much for listening and we hope to have you along for the next episode.